Hi, and welcome to Paul's Property Podcast. Uh, so the idea of this podcast is to help all people in the property market. So people looking to buy, people looking to sell, the mortgage market is what we looked at last time with me 11s. And this week, an essential part of the marketplace, the first time buyer market, because the first time buyer market is essential to keep the market moving forward because nobody can move up if first time buyers aren't buying, selling and progressing. So this morning, I've invited my good friend Aidan to come and have a chat with us. Aidan is literally just starting out on his search, hasn't done anything yet, which is really exciting. So a great place to start. So Aidan is just about to commence looking for first property. How are you doing? Yeah, very good. How are you? Very well, my friends. Very well. So I believe you've got a, a list of questions to fire at me. Aidan is a very organized young man. Uh, so far away okay far away okay so the first question i have is how do i actually start looking okay there's some excellent place to start okay so there's so many people everybody is a property expert these days i blame kirsty and phil myself so you want to speak to your parents you want to speak to uh your friends preferably those who have bought property sold property uh pick their brains uh did they use or trust a particular estate agent? Um, did they use a particular mortgage broker, a solicitor? So try and get from them a feel for who they trust, who they would go to, because that way you really need to do good research into every different field, particularly the mortgage side of things. So a good recommended mortgage broker uh, must be independent must be able to shop all of market, which means that he can choose someone from the not Nottingham Coventry, Halifax, which of course is part of Lloyd's, Santander, Kensington Mortgages, Platform, any lender he'll be able to choose from. So get a good recommendation uh, and speak to a broker first and foremost. That, that will get, get you off and running. Oh, okay. Okay. Thank you for that. And um so I've got a mortgage broker who's uh, got me agreed in principle with a lender. What does that actually mean? Uh, basically, what, what a lender will do is make sure that you can afford what you want to mm -hmm. buy. Okay, so they also need to check out that you're credit worthy. Uh, so you're not the type of person that goes out at Christmas um, and uh, tries to get credit on a new telly and a... Uh, I was about to say DVD player, but I don't think they use those anymore. Um, but like a nice telly, sofa, dishwasher, washing machine, you know, without paying it back. Yeah, because mm -hmm. they've got to make sure, because lenders are so risk averse. This goes back to something we discussed last time with Neil, the credit crunch. Mm -hmm. Yeah, where, where lenders became unstuck. So they're, they're so very, very risk averse. So if they sit you down, your broker will sit you down and have you agreed with, pick a name out the hat of Santander. They've looked at how much you're earning and what your disposable income is. Now, your disposable income is what you have after you've paid for your rent, uh, finance on your car, going out clubbing all weekend, how much money you have left at, at, at the end of the month. That is your disposable income. And they do multiples of that to work out what you can afford and if they're happy with that. Okay. Okay. And um, so now I know how much I can actually go up to and what it will cost me per month. Is that the point when I should start looking now? Not as yet. Not as yet. It needs to do a little bit more research. 
really. I mean, it, it's, yeah, you want to decide uh, where you want to live. Uh, so, of course, I'm based uh, in Brighton. Uh, so, places such as Hanover, do you want to live in Hanover? Do you want to live in Kemp Town? Do you want to live in Poets Corner in Hove? What I would suggest you do is to do more research. I mean, it's, it, it takes longer, um, but you'll find that in long term, it will come in very, very useful. Mm -hmm. uh, so what you really want to do is be a bit old school like I am. So you want to go to the agents in those particular areas, say uh, Kemp Town, where my office is based. You know, you go to Kemp Town, you come into my office and say, hi, my name's Aidan. I'm looking for A, B, C, D and E. Um, I've got my uh, mortgage agreed with so-and-so. So that way you're, you're actually meeting them face to face so that you actually get a, a point of contact in each agent. So that way um, they'll remember you rather than someone with respect to 90% to of, of the market people that are shopping in the marketplace today. Mm -hmm. They just simply come through right move and they're a voice on the end of the phone or, or a key, keyboard at the end of an email. Yeah, so you, you want to try and build up your relationships with with particular agents. Don't just rely uh, on the internet. As I say, this will take longer, but you know, this is this is the biggest purchase of your life, your first home. It's the biggest purchase of your life. Uh, so you need to put that that deep research into um, what you're going, going to, who you're going to be dealing with, and at the end of the day, who you can trust, who you're going to build a rapport with, I, I think is, is really important. And at the end of the day, will potentially get you your perfect home because you'll building these relationships be one step ahead of the field and especially when it comes to choosing the mortgage broker save you money on a mortgage deal okay okay cool and um when calling an agent my friend told me that every agent will always try me try to get me to see their broker what should i say say no it's every well potentially uh bar us independence have a broker in-house and of course with respect to them i'm not knocking them in any way shape or form so please don't take it the wrong way guys um part of their business foundation mm -hmm. is based upon uh income from mortgages thus their um income from things further from that which we can come on to later such as critical illness cover life insurance so on and so forth what each broker will try and do will be trying to tie you in to them with getting you agreed in principle which mm -hmm. we've discussed so you've got to remember that every time there's a credit search done on you, such as your broker has done to have you agreed with Santander, yeah, it puts a footprint on your credit referencing, yeah? So, and every time that happens, it affects your credit rating. So you could go and see, you, you agree, because you're a nice guy, you agree to go and see, I'm not going to name names, but you, you agree to go and see A, B, C, and D, and you get, you get a credit search on each of them, and it's just going to affect you long term. So at Christmas time, when you want to buy uh, your partner, yeah, that brand new Mercedes, they're going to say no because you've had far too much credit work going on. Right, okay. So there's nothing wrong if an agent says, listen, I, I don't have a broker in house. I use this guy. Have a chat with him, such as, I'm going to plug it again. There we go. Neil Evans, who we had last week. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I use Neil myself, so I say to people, have a chat with this guy, yeah? 10 minutes on the phone, there's no obligation, mm -hmm. yeah? Have a chat, he might be able to save you some money, he might not, yeah? Okay. Have a chat with him, and, and that's that. You know, you're not drawing them into the office, they don't have to sit down with someone for two hours, you know, the, the line of, of vendor insists on your seeing our broker before you view a property is absolute nonsense. 
Right. Okay. Yeah. You've got your your credit done. So just say no. You want you want to buy a property. You want to see a property. Thank you very much for the offer. I have an agreement in principle with a lender, but thank no, thank you. Okay. Okay. Cool. And there are a load of properties I've looked online and I've actually seen that I really like. Do I view them all? I wouldn't just yet. Uh, what I would suggest is you make a wish list because there are a lot more properties coming to market now. Mm -hmm. There's a lot more choice. There's a lot more selection. There's a lot more properties that aren't what they seem. Potentially the wrong thing to say, but there we go. So what you need to do, you need to make a wish list. Okay. What do you want out of your new home? Uh, such as you want a period property. So Victorian or Georgian Regency. Uh, you know, we can go through dates later. We do if you so wish. Or a purpose-built property, purpose-built right. building, which is, by definition, purpose-built for flats. So more space, more storage, that's what a sort of thing. Do I want a bath uh, or just a nice walk-in shower? Do I need outside space? So with your wish list, as you go through, no one ever gets their, 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 their total wish list, uh, especially on my budget. But you'll learn from it as you're going. And this comes back to what I said earlier about meeting particular estate agents mm -hmm. because and deal with them, want to deal with them specifically because they will learn as well really uh, what you're looking for so you can thus try and find the right property. Don't just rely on the internet. Do your homework. Just make sure that, that, that everything that, that you're looking at is correct. And right, every now and then there's a phone and curveball because you never know. Mm -hmm. But that's what I was uh, I would strongly suggest. Okay, okay. And so I've done that. I'm now going on to viewings and I'm at a property. What should I look for and what should I ask the agent? Ah, okay. So uh, try and keep it simple uh, for your own good mm -hmm. at this stage. You don't want to overcomplicate it because that's what you have a solicitor for, which will come on to on the next broadcast. Basic stuff. Ask to see the boiler. Okay. Oh. Now, the agent that you're dealing with should know, A, where the boiler is. Uh, secondly, how old it is. Uh, how often it's been serviced. You know, mm -hmm. if you're looking at a property that has been bought as a rental, has yeah. been used as a rental, uh, the boiler should be up to speed. It should have a gas safety certificate, which we can go on to. And it, it should be serviced and it should be in, in, in working order. Ask to see the electrical consumer unit. Now, with respect, you may not know what that is, mm -hmm. but the agent should um, and will know. Again, ask how old it is and when it was last checked. Again, if it's an ex-rental property, uh, the electric electricals and rentals are very, very specific. So you can pretty much guarantee, as long as it's been a good, a good letting agent, um, that it's been well looked after. Um, ask if the property is leasehold or does it have a share in a freehold and how many years are left upon the lease? Okay. And following along from what you've just said, mm. what is the difference between the leasehold and the share of freehold? Very good question. Very good question. Okay. So there is a big difference, quite a big difference, actually. At least say this room, yeah, is a studio flat that we're looking to buy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But this it's a, it's a leasehold property. Okay. With leasehold, what you're actually doing, you're buying the right to live in that space yeah. for the term of the lease. Okay. Okay. So you don't actually own it as such. Yeah. 
you're buying the right to live in that space. And the difference between that and having a share in the freehold, mm-hmm. yeah, you still have the lease. Every apartment in England has a lease, okay? okay? But you own part of the fabric uh, of the building. You own part of the land that's been built on. You own part of that wall, okay? Yeah? So you have more in a say in how that building is run. So with a leasehold, the freeholder just not does what he wants. There are certain laws and limitations to what he or she cannot do um but with with, with having a share of the freeholds you have to be consulted mm-hmm. you have to be consulted there's generally an agm an annual general meeting of the freeholders to discuss what's to be done that year potentially next year and the, the year after um so technically i have to say share of freehold is technically better mm-hmm. but um when it comes to the length of lease yeah sometimes not, not if it's a big building with a big purpose built building with say 30, 40 flats in, and it's leasehold and it's got a long lease. It's not as in, as important as a smaller property. Okay. And once again, following from the question mm. you've just asked, what does it matter how many years are actually left on that lease? Again, uh, a very, very in depth question, actually, very in depth question. Okay. So leasehold. We said that we're buying the right to live in that space for the term of the lease. Mm-hmm. So the freeholder owns that space. You're buying the right to live in that space. Right. Now, say the lease goes down to, let's pick a number, 75 years. Okay. Okay. And you want to sell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or the buy- person you're buying it from, that, that's what they tell you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Big no-no. Yeah. Right. Reason being, lenders... In this day and age, the 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 the, the big uh, big lenders like your Santander, your Lloyd's, your Barclays, NatWest, so on and so forth, HSBC will look for a minimum of eighty years, potentially eighty five years, must be on the lease mm-hmm. for them to lend on that property, right? Because they have to look at how simple it will be to sell it if they have to repossess it, which again is a different subject. So what you have to do, um, that lease needs to be extended, okay? Because the lender won't lend on it, so. The freeholder has to be compensated for him not getting his space back, okay? Because you're buying the right to live in that space for the term of the lease. Mm. So at the end of that lease, he would get it back. But he's not going to get it back now for another 99 years. Right. So you've got to compensate them for that, you know? Um, so then it, it, that, that becomes quite a big deal. So if you're buying a property, if you turn around to say something 75 years, that can get really, really complicated. Right. You know, if they say 75 years now, but it is going to be extended on completion okay. uh, to, to uh, 164 with another 99 years on. Yeah. Okay. Um, fine. No problem at all. If it's 75 years now, will the vendor extend the lease? No, he won't walk away. Okay. Yeah. Because A, you're not going to get lending on it. And B, you're just walking into all sorts of all sorts of problems. If you have a share in the freehold, because mm-hmm. that's you've got to pay, sorry, a premium um, to the freeholder um, for that. We saw one, of course, uh, last week. Lovely chat. One of our local vendors has a flat. They've got a 52-year lease on. Yeah, it's going to cost him £50,000 to extend that lease. £50,000 to extend that lease. Mm-hmm. You know, heartbreaking. If you have a share in the freehold, you are the freeholder. No right. premium, because you're only going to be compensating yourself. You okay. know, so that's the big difference between leasehold and share freehold, which is why I say if the lease is good length, it doesn't really matter. If like, you know, I've, um, a friend of mine's got one, bought one last week that's got 147 years on. Great, brilliant, fantastic. Um, 
but with share of freehold, you're not paying the premium. You just pay the legal fees okay. to extend the lease. Okay, cool. And um, so I've now found a property that I really want to get, like, move into. Can I just bring my dog or cat? No, I'm afraid. Now, the reason being that each, each lease has different laws. Each re leases are written in such different ways. It's very difficult to read because <laughs> they're so old. Um, but you have to, whichever property you buy, whichever apartment you buy, um, you have to buy by the lease, even if you have a share and freehold. The lease is the lease. If the lease says no pets, no pets. Now, just because upstairs might have a cat um, and the lower ground floor has got a dog because it's got a garden or whatever, doesn't mean that it's allowed within the lease. You know, so you know, just because a guy downstairs has got a dog, if it's a breach of lease, someone moving into the ground floor could complain to the freeholder and make the guy get rid of his dog. Yeah. So you must abide by the lease. Okay. Yeah. Okay, cool. And um, I know it's a little bit controversial, but can I believe what an estate agent says? Very <laughs> uh, good question. I mean, this goes back to uh, step number one, mm -hmm. doing your homework. By this stage, hopefully, you would have built up a good rapport uh, with an agent. Now, it, it, it's, it's crucial when looking for property, um, you're on right, moving so and so forth. You know, you need to do, goes back to, to doing your homework and, and building that rapport. So that hopefully by now, you've built that relationship and you've done four or five viewings with the same agent. Always, if you're speaking to that agency, always deal with that person. If he's got a day off, you phone back the next day. Mm -hmm. He knows you by now. Yeah, yeah. you're a good buyer. In his book, fantastic. Something comes into his mind. I'm phoning Aiden. Brilliant. Yeah. So by that stage, yes, yes, you, sh you yeah, he's going to be honest with you. You've built a relationship, you know, which is really, really important. If you know you're out in a viewing and you know there's part-time member of staff doing the viewing or it's a new agency that had something that you saw on right move, mm -hmm. yeah, ask them to you know, and they're not sure. Ask them to see the vendor, um, especially if it's something to do with pets. Um, uh, the vendor, they should know what it says, but you know, ask the vendor if they, they're not sure, you know, I'll, I'll ask them to, to ask the vendor and come back to you as soon as you possibly can, right? Okay, and so now say I found the flat I really want, I'm really happy with the lease, the garden, there's no work to do, the location's great, it's basically my new home. What do I do next? You simply make an offer, okay. simply make an offer. It is that simple. Yeah. Don't overcomplicate it. None of this needs to be overcomplicated. Just follow the, 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 the steps that we've discussed. Mm -hmm. Keep it simple. Listen. Yeah. Listen to good advice. Discard some bad because you will get it. Yeah. Um, when simply making an offer, you give your agent a call. Mm -hmm. Let's pick a name out of the hat. Uh, Michael. Hi, Mike. Uh, it's Aiden. Um, that flat I saw yesterday. Fantastic. I love it. Yeah. I want to put in an offer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Property is on for, let's say, 325. Okay. Yeah. You want to chance your arm a little bit. Market may or may not dictate that. So I want to, I'd like to start. Yeah. I also want a bit of a deal, Michael. I want to start at 300,000. Yeah. Mm. I'll follow that in, in an email for you. Okay. Yeah. Will you let me know immediately what the vendor says, please? Okay. So you've spoken on the phone, put everything in an email mm. as well. So there's a paper trail. So you want to give your details of the offer. Hi, Mike. Here's my offer. We spoke on the phone, 300,000. As you know, I'm just going to use his name again for pure, pureness of convenience. You know that I've been dealing with uh, Neil Evans. Yeah, yeah. I've got his lining up with mortgage. Mm -hmm. uh, with, with Santander, I've got a 20% deposit. 
I've got a solicitor. My deposit is already with a solicitor. I have an agreement in principle. Please take that offer and put it forward uh, to the vendor. And if you can let me know, Mike, as soon as you possibly can. Again, this comes back to, and I'll keep repeating it, building a relationship with an agent. Okay. Don't rely on right move. Build relations. Take time. Build relationships. Because now mm -hmm. that's going to come to fruition, mm -hmm. yeah, because you've got that relationship. And he's going to, he, he, he not just someone who viewed a property yesterday that's put a bid, yeah. You've got a relationship. He's in your corner. Yeah. You know, um, which will really, really help you. Mm -hmm. Obviously, he, he's working for the vendor. Yeah. So, you know, the vendor may have said, listen, put it on for 325, want to get three. Yeah. Or, you know, I want 325. So Mike has to do what the vendor wants. That's his job. Yeah. But at the same time, he wants to do the best, best for you. The best for you and the best for, for, for the vendor equals a sale and everybody's happy. Okay. And um, what do I do if somebody else offers? Very good point. Very good point. I mean, that happened a, a huge amount uh, a couple of years ago during the pandemic. You could do 30 viewings on a house on a Saturday and have 15 offers on a Monday morning. Basically, anybody has the right to, to put an offer. You know, you could, you could, I, I, I could answer the phone today. I've got a couple of offers, a couple of sales I tied up yesterday. Uh, somebody viewed it on Monday might phone me today and say, well, I want to put an offer uh, on the property. It's my, my legal obligation to take that offer and put it forward to the vendor. I can't just say, sorry, you can't offer. I've agreed a sale on that. Mm -hmm. It doesn't happen. You can say, well, listen, we have agreed a sale, but you're legally entitled to put forward that offer, and I am obliged and obligated to put it forward to my vendor and come back to you. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. So, and then what will happen is that the vendor... Well, may or may not say, but as an agent, I would suggest, listen, we've got a buyer. I appreciate you've shaken hands, but this is a property market. Yeah, you know, you do need to be, I hate to say it, a little bit selfish. Uh -huh. Yeah, this is a business transaction. Yeah. Business transaction. Let's go back to both parties. They're both really good buyers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you might say, listen, I know Aiden. I'm dealing with Aiden a lot, but the other person, you know, fantastic. I've seen there. Um, I've done my due diligence. I've seen their financial situation. Yeah. Let's go back to both and say, there's another offer on the table. Would you like to, to increase your offer? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the kind of a best and final scenario. Right. Yeah? Okay. You've got one opportunity to come back to me with your best offer. Don't give it to me now. Okay. Yeah. You've got till say 12 o'clock tomorrow, sleep on it, think on it, talk to your parents, yeah. partner, have a drink about it and give me a shout tomorrow. Okay, and you just mentioned best and final. What is that? Basically, it's the way to kind of draw everything to a close. Um, it's not very, very common at, at the moment. I mean, you know, we've had a couple actually this week where we've had two or three offers on, on the same property. It was massively uh, when the market was crazy and you literally had 15 offers on a Monday morning. Mm -hmm. Rather than uh, trying to be efficient for and utilise my own time efficiently, rather than go back to every person and have an a bidding war, uh -huh. which is a waste of everybody's time, frustrates everybody and makes people angry with me. You give everybody the same opportunity mm -hmm. to give you a best and final offer. Okay. What the property is worth to them. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And if I lose out on the best and finals, can I still make another offer? Absolutely you can. If Michael comes back to you, Michael, our fictitious agent, and says, um, man, I'm really, really sorry, but, but you've lost out. Well, you know, did I lose out? Was was it down, down to my offer level? 
well, I can't, I can't, they, they can't, they can't actually say that. They can't say that because that's a uh, day's protection. Mm -hmm. But you're perfectly legally entitled to go back and say, well, listen, I appreciate I tried at 300. Yeah. Give the man the asking price. Yeah. Give him 325 grand. You know, I can afford it. You've seen my agreement in principle. Uh -huh. Yeah. Now he is then obligated yeah. to go back to the vendor and say, listen, I appreciate we did best and finals, but Aiden has come back with the asking price. Yeah, you have. I, I have to present it to you, even though we've done a deal with with buyer B. Yeah, right, okay. He does also have to go back to that other buyer and give them an opportunity to increase their offer. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and but that's a situation we try and avoid. Yeah. But you can again, you're fully legally entitled to make an offer on any property at any given time. Okay. Okay. And so, great news. I've had my offer accepted. So, what happens next? Next, we start on a real journey, which we will cover next time on Paul's Property Podcast. Uh, thank you very much for joining me, Aidan, okay, and running through that with me. I hope that that our discussion comes in very, very useful uh, to you. Uh, if you've got any viewings lined up for the weekend, mm -hmm. please feel free to give give, give me a call um, if you have any questions or just ping me an email. It's, it's Paul at PaulBotandCompany.co.uk. So that's Paul at PaulBot and company.co.uk and as always if you like what you're hearing today please like and subscribe to this podcast and that way you, you can you can actually help us continue our journey with Aiden next week you know and in, in, in his minefield of getting that sale through thank you very much indeed thanks Aiden for joining me thank you once again for having me and I'll see you next week